Welcome back to Podsite, everyone. This is, of course, your intrepid host, Carlo. Uh, we are back again for our next installment of the Year of the New Sun. This time around, we'll be talking about uh, the Shadow of the Torturer, uh, chapters 16 through 20, or if you have the book, that would be XVI to XX. Um, so, and with us today, we have the entire gang. Um, uh, Pete, hello. Yep. How, how are you doing? Good, good. If you're the intrepid host, I'd like to be the decrepit host. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, motion granted. <laughs> All right. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jens. How, how is everybody? I am doing fantastic. And, I'm doing uh, great. we, Yes, uh, Zifrit Aegisbearer, <laughs> a.k.a. Kurt. <laughs> yes, Kurt. Uh, well, if you're the intrepid host, then uh, I will perhaps uh, be the Enterprise uh, host. Oh, a little bit of naval humor nice. there, or Star Trek humor, if you care to, to view it that way. <laughs> did did okay. I ever tell you guys about my uh, uh, the, the auto accident I had with the, with the Star Trek shirt on? Oh no. Uh, no. No. <laughs> okay. This was right before I moved out to Kansas. Uh I was I was getting some stuff together uh you know just to to haul out with me uh because I had to tie my car to the back so I wanted extra straps and all that. So I I pulled into Hope Depot and I I I tapped this guy's bumper just like a a bullshit all my fault move. So I pu- I pull I pull my car, I park it, I come over and I'm like, "Look, that's all my fault." You know, and and he's like, "You know what?" I don't see any damage, and if it is, if there is any damage, it's on me, sir. Thank you for your service. <laughs> and I realized, <laughs> I realized as he I was really driving like away, I mean, he thought I, well, he either thought I served on the Enterprise or on the Enterprise. <laughs> Wait, so what? Okay, so I'm sorry, Pete. Uh, I, uh, maybe in my in my mind palace, um, where I, I have perfect recall, I imagined you having like a, just a, a fan T-shirt of Star Trek. Were you wearing like a a, a uniform, <laughs> Star Trek uniform? What the no, fuck? It, it just had the it had a, a picture of the Enterprise in it. And it was like NCC one seven zero one USS Enterprise. <laughs> you know, it, this, I mean, it looked. It I looked think you met a very funny gentleman. Year. I think is what I care to, or, or, uh, or perhaps <laughs> a time, or or perhaps a time traveler who yeah. actually <laughs> lives in that future. Right. It would be much funnier if you were wearing like a Klingon outfit and you went, "Thank you for your service, Kapla." <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right. All right. So, um, uh, I suppose we should probably get right to it. Uh, uh do we want to uh, d- do any? Any sort of, uh, I guess, summarize summarize anything or talk about? I think we we had we had uh, previously gotten uh, all the way to the chapter before, which uh, uh, Severian meets the giant Boldenders, who is accompanied by a rather uh, strange and sprightly old gentleman called Doctor Talos. Um, so, uh, and they, they, uh, basically share a, uh, uh, hotel room or an inn room together and have strange dreams. Uh, uh I, I would like to make a motion here. Oh, uh, go for it. 
at the beginning of each one of these episodes going forward, we should go previously on Gene Wolf and lay out what's happened. <laughs> previously on Gene Wolf. Much, <laughs> much like Severian is doing, and we'll do it with, with our perfect recall. Yes. Um, yeah, okay. So uh, in that case, Severian has been kind of but not really cast out of the Guild of Torturers. Um, and he is after after uh, not preventing but interfering with the death of Thecla, his his briefly beloved, um, and now he has been uh, dispatched to become the uh, the car the the Carnifex of of Thrax Thrax, and so he is journeying north, uh, and he is still within the city of Nessus, within the great city of Nessus, but he is now in a different part of it. Where the torturers are no longer well known, uh, they're 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 feared and and uh, treated almost like an object of myth. So he is journeying through the world, and that's where he is. Yep. So it's sort of like when a cop shoots an innocent person, they don't actually fire them; they just send them to another police station. Yeah. Yeah. He he fa- he failed sideways, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not um, exactly upwards, but yeah, sideways. I, so. I have to say, before we get into the particulars of it, um, this block of chapters really surprised me because I was, I remember last time I was like, okay, now we're in the main plot and this is going to move forward in a linear fashion. (laughs) Oh, fool that I am. (laughs) Uh, uh, Let, let this be a lesson. I, I not have to learn a third time. Um, That's exactly not what happens. And this, this, this story is taking on almost like a, a kind of like Tristram Shandy uh, or like Jeeves and Worcester type uh, type uh, a, a appearance where it's just kind of meandering all over the place and wacky mishaps and misunderstandings keep keep occurring. And uh, Severian just kind of charges on ahead and, and acts as if uh, as if all this is just, you know, it's uh, as if it's going somewhere. And, and cl- clearly it is. But um if you had if you had asked me last time to guess the contents of the next five chapters, I would not have guessed this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good a good thing that this this ain't uh, like a betting a betting game. That's for sure. Um. So uh, also, I do want to say that here is uh, in part where um, oh, Chewie has something to say. Uh, we must have missed some some something of import that uh, that Chewie really liked in yeah, he, the previous he wants chapters. To chew my hand, apparently, it's very confusing. Oh. There you go. <laughs> um, but but I do want to uh, say that uh, here we we actually get some of the uh, some of the interesting little tidbits that don't immediately um, like like the 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 what am I thinking of the consequence or the the acts and consequences uh, thereof uh, that were sort of planted in early, in earlier chapters like for instance here we get the first chapter is the rag shop um, wherein uh, after uh, Severian <laughs> is invited to um, join uh, Baldanders and Talos, Dr. Talos in a joint venture uh, of which they have absolutely zero capital but apparently uh lots of um they have lots of words uh they, they definitely are selling something of some sort uh and uh, he says well yeah sure i'll join you and then basically says no i i'm not going to do that and he heeds the um 
the uh, what was the name of the the Peltasts? Uh, the the previous chapter is uh, uh, guard captain mm. who told him that he couldn't just be walking around wearing his fuligen cloak and wearing his sword like that. That he needed to get something a bit more uh, a bit more under uh, you know understated so that people wouldn't get upset and and weirded out by some guy wearing you know pure black cloak that seems to just be a face floating in darkness uh so he he goes to the rag shop but before that uh i think to your point kurt there are uh like honestly uh, there are uh, lots of little funny bits in this uh group of chapters uh that that are just sort of like tossed out uh for you to catch uh, but th- nothing's really made of them like it, it's not like overstated or anything like that like uh what is it there's <laughs> like uh he's he's hanging out with uh Dr. Taylor and Baldanders and uh uh they they go to a cafe and uh we found a cafe whose tables were set along the margin of the street it was still sufficiently early that was, there was little traffic a dead man, he had, I think, been suffocated with lambrequin, uh, there being those who practiced that art, lay at the corner. Dr. <laughs> Talis went through his pockets, but came back with empty hands. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and that that's it. it. Like, the next line is like, now then, he said, we must think. We must contrive a plan. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's... it's I apologize. Uh, it's... There's war in heaven here. Oh. <laughs> Raining blood. Um, which by the way, that's what that song is about. That doesn't make any sense if you don't know that. Um, no. anyway, uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And what's, what's interesting about it is that it is, it is, um, this is something that I think the book has done very effectively up until now and continues to do, which is that you gain the sense of Severian's disorientation by being a little bit disoriented yourself. And Severian is getting lots of puzzle pieces, but doesn't actually know what picture he's building, right? So like he knows, you know, it's it strikes us as as off-putting and weird uh that you know, well, uh there's somebody who's been strangled by uh I th- I think drapery. It's like it's yep. like a well, <laughs> Like like a garrote made from from drapes uh, apparently yeah something like um, that or uh, I think I also lo- I was looking it up and it's I think it's also like the um, the cloth that uh, may be draped on I think at the nape of the neck of a knight that may or may not have heraldry on it as so well there's so there's um there there was uh gosh there there's something I was reading and I think this is historical and not a piece of fiction. Um, but, uh, oh no, you know what I'm thinking of? You know what this is actually, you know what I'm, I'm thinking of? It's not, it's not quite historical. It's actually from Lord of Light. There is a mention mm. of, um, holy, holy assassins who use, uh, cloths that, that they wear around their necks, um, as, uh, garrots, as like holy well, assassins. I mean, I, I believe like that, that in and of itself is, uh, I think it's an allusion to, uh, I, I think it's now considered um, passe, uh, if not outright um, problematic or and or racist. Uh, the the thuggies, the thuggies, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, which which may not have existed at all. Uh, like this is it, there's there's yeah. This, this I, I may have been a current a, theory a complete. 
fabrication. Like it, yeah, it was a complete contrivance, yeah. a fabrication by the British or something <laughs> like that. Pun, pun intended there. Ooh, um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, that that long digression aside, yeah, like like it's be through that we gain the impression that this area of the city is dangerous. Life is cheap. Um, it clearly is not as remarkable to Severian as it is to us. But the the story doesn't go out of its way to explicitly be like life is cheap. You know, Severian mm-hmm. doesn't observe life is cheap. It's just kind of left to us to do that. But as a result, there there is kind of a sense of being unmoored from the description of what you're picking up. Like, it's just kind of like you're just picking up pieces of the picture and kind of having to assemble it, which I, I, I quite like. I agree with you. I I had to reread this section of five chapters three times to parse it down. <laughs> How many times did you have to reread chapter uh, 20, uh, Pete? <laughs> uh, um, I don't know that I'm there yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's like a triple framing device. There's like, there's, there's like, there's, there's framing device upon fr- framing device in chapter 20. It is, it is uh, textually confusing, if, if nothing else. <clears throat> yes, yes, indeed. Um, uh, so the, the, the other thing is, uh, we, we also get the impression that Dr. Talos is like the, the sort of like the quick on his toes, uh, schemer of the, of the two and bald Anders is just, yeah, he's sort of like uh, hired muscle, just, you know, like he's the guy that lifts 10 men at once, you know, in, in, in the, in the, uh, in their little excursions or, or shows or what have you. I mean, uh, Doctor Taylor says as much, but uh, but it's also like clear just in the way that they both speak. Where, for instance, um, not not long after they sit down at the cafe and order some some food and drink and whatnot, um, uh, Doctor Taylor says, amongst other things, to Severian, "May I propose a joint venture?" Um, uh, after mentioning that uh, their their house in the north has been destroyed and like. As uh, you know, like after a long uh, sentence or two of that, uh, Baldenders finally sort of uh, rouses himself and says, "Yeah, Baldenders, who appeared to have understood only the first part of his companion's speech, said slowly, it is not entirely destroyed. The walls are stone, very thick. Some of the vaults escaped, which <laughs> uh, <laughs> is sort of funny because he's sort of like responding to the first sentence that Dr. Taylor says, but also... The vaults escaped. What? What does that mean exactly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, I I've got something, but this isn't the right place for it. I've got a I've got a like a a general question, something that's been bugging me these last five chapters. Mm, um, okay. Well, but, ask uh, it. I think you've made it the okay, right yeah, place I, for it. I I put my foot in. So, the number of times that people say to him. That he is not, he is going to die as a result of, you know, the, the, the impending stuff in this five chapters is remarkable. And he accepts it, but like a couple of chapters ago, didn't he just like paralyze a guy with his pinky without even trying? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like two chapters back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what, what, what is happening here? It's like, he's. Uh, he, he, he's the golden dragon. Like, like I would be terrified <laughs> to fight this guy. And he's, he's obviously got the willies about the standard combat thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble swallowing that pill. 
So the way that I took that, Pete, is that Severian doesn't understand himself to be like a person of power or uh, like potential influence outside of like very specific contexts, as as exemplified perhaps by the scene where um, he says, the only the only sword I know how to fight with is this giant sword that I have that he only got like a couple days ago. Like he's to your point, he's clearly a very gifted combatant, but he doesn't seem to think of himself as as one. And so when people say you're going to die, you're going to get totally owned, he seems to go, "Oh, okay." Um, so, so it's, it's a Maslow's hierarchy thing. Yeah, or or like he just I, I I don't know the way that I interpreted it is he's he he understands the context of being a member of the Guild of Torturers very well, but outside of that context, he's extremely naive. And so he he's someone's like, oh, you're going to have to fight some guy. And he's like, wow, I'm going to have to fight some guy that that sounds like it's going to be really hard. Um, not realizing <laughs> that, like to everyone around him, he's like a shit kicker badass unless it unless it pertains to being a torturer. Like when uh, when the the like officer of the watch or w- whatever he was, was like, can you do, you know, your fist of the North star trick to this guy? He's like, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> because like that, that's a thing that he knows how to do. But outside of that well, context, not- he's like, these people are telling me I'm going to get wrecked. So I, I guess, well, I don't and, even know and, what and an also, Avern is. I, I also think, uh, importantly, he, uh, it feels like, um, like like what you're saying, Kurt, is that he's very field dependent, right? He he only yeah, knows, yeah. Uh, like like if we go back, like he only understood how powerful the 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 guild uh, his guild was uh, after he was imprisoned and was awaiting verdict, right? Mm. So he he had never really stepped outside. He has no. Uh, way of stepping outside uh, and sort of triangulating towards an em- like an empathy uh, with anyone else. And why would he? He's been trained to be a torturer, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 granted, he's he's been sheltered all his life. He feels. Uh, I feel like um, he he's he's like a completely depressive character who is only. Uh, like when when we're talking about him pinching yeah, the nerve, yeah, the cr- crushing the nerve that that causes seizures, he only thinks to do that because he's given an order to do so, mm. or, or given permission to do so. Yeah. He himself is so um, perhaps tightly repressed and compartmentalized um, that he doesn't even think to give himself permission to do anything that he would actually have the power to do. So I I have another way of looking at this too, which is that, um, you know, I I always keep in mind that this is, we're reading Severin writing this down like years later. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's always the chance that he's just like building himself up by having everybody else saying, Oh no, you're going to die. You're going to die. And then like later on, he's like, he's like, you know, handily defeats whoever. Um, So there could be a little bit, um, you know, a little bit of that, a little bit like a, a you know, sweetening and sweetening uh, going on by the Severin, the narrator. Well, yeah, I, I, I also think that that's a factor as well, Chris. Like, um, I, I think I had mentioned it before that uh, it, it's like that trick where the, um, in, in, in the, the, the apostles always, 
you know, like present themselves as like, oh, I'm such a dumbass. You know, I couldn't do this. But look at Jesus. He's really good. And this is just applied to the main character, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so so you, you need to be like you're – you're his you're 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 creating a hagiography uh, by making yourself um like uh both not uh aware of your power but the moment it, you are uh you're expected to do something and exert that power boom oh my god mm. you you own that fucker mm. so, I, I think know. this it, is it, i no go ahead I was just going to say, uh, you guys are making a lot of sense to me. I'm finding this a much more satisfying answer than anything I was able to come up with prior. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, Pete. To be honest, like I, I, I feel like to an extent we're kind of, um, I don't know the right the right word for it. We're we're kind of enshrining this in in some like high handed uh, thought or high high minded thought. But I, I think the the truth is that. Uh, to an extent the story itself at this point in the book is so like fast moving that it also kind of just doesn't matter to to me like to be perfectly honest i i'm kind of i'm i'm dissecting why i accepted things after the fact but but the truth is when i was reading it i i didn't really care there 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 was one one or two moments that i was like huh he seems like he's contradicting himself here but for the moment i was just like i just wanted to fight someone and see what happens because i think it's gonna be funny yeah (laughs) yeah So there's a there's another part in, in this chapter that that really stood out to me, and I, I I was really thinking about this one and thinking, oh man, I'm sure that Kurt really thought this was cool, uh, and it's the um, he, he's he's looking at Doctor Talos as he's sort of like trying to um, convince the 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 waitress Dorcas to join their merry band, right, uh, and uh, so on and so forth, and then he says. Um, Dr. Talos leaned toward her as he said this, and it struck me that his face was not only that of a fox, a comparison that was perhaps too easy to make because his bristling reddish eyebrows and sharp nose suggested it at once, but that of a stuffed fox. (laughs) I've heard those who dig for their livelihood say there is no land anywhere in which they can trench without turning up the shards of the past. No matter where the spade turns the soil, it uncovers broken pavements and corroding metal, and scholars write that the kind of sand that artists call polychrome, because flecks of every color are mixed with its whiteness, is actually not sand at all, but the glass of the past, now pounded to powder by eons of tumbling in the clamorous sea. If there are layers of reality, beyond the reality beneath the reality we see, even as there are layers of history beneath the ground we walk upon, then in one of those more profound realities— Dr. Talos's face was a fox's mask on a wall, and I marveled to see it turn and bend toward, now toward the woman, achieving by those motions which made expression and thought appear to play across it with the shadows of the nose and brows, an amazing and realistic appearance of vivacity. Wow. Hey, he he's such a good writer, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I I just love the idea of this this world that is just so fucking ancient that you you just 
like I just want to dig a, a hole in the backyard to put up a bird feeder, and suddenly <laughs> like there's like a fucking piece of machinery, yeah. you know, like some ancient ray gun or some shit. Who knows? Or arrowheads or the top of a skyscraper. It's hard to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and I, what's, I love what's neat about it is that it doesn't especially matter, right? Like, like yeah. it's not like it's. There's something to this that that uh, is is like a puzzle that you that it doesn't really matter if you solve it because it's not essential. It's it's like there's an extent to which you can you can try to solve the puzzle or you can just be like, wow, cool puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Severian. <laughs> I wonder it's, what the puzzle's a picture of. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially aesthetic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, up to this point, at least. Yeah, unless there's something bigger going on that we're just not privy to yet. Yeah. Well, and it's something it's something I think about on occasion. Like there there are there's there's some well-written stories where you can you can take the the world and slice it off and dump the same actor and character in another world. And I'm still trying to decide if this one is like that. And I'm leaning to not, but it's I'm paying attention to it closely. Yeah. Be- yeah, because I mean, you're 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 right. The action is 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 an action that you could see in a lot of worlds so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's it's only the cool stuff on the edges. I I am remaking your point. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Pete, that's actually interesting because um, in the soon to be released or probably already uh, well, I don't know when you're going to release it, but um, we, when we were talking about the the Nebula short stories, that was something we made about a point we made about a couple of those stories where. Um, you know, the speculative nature of the story could have been totally excised and it was, still would have been the same story. Yeah. Or, uh, or it could have been even stronger for, for it. Whereas, yes, whereas exactly, with this, yeah. it's like, it's with, with this, it is, it's a neat balancing act with this because you are acutely aware of the presence of the speculative nature of the story, right? Like the, it, you know, it's, it's, I, I would say it's more present than it was at the beginning, but but it's still not totally clear what's going on. But but the the wolf never rushes to make explicit this what exactly the speculative nature is. And to your point, Chris, one of my criticisms of a bunch of the Nebula stories was that it felt like within the first ten paragraphs, somebody had to say aloud, like, "Oh, this is a story about time travel" or whatever it was. And and I found that very very unsatisfying because I was like, okay, well now that I, now I know this is a you know this is a time travel story, and mm-hmm. I I you know it's it's probably going to fit within the realm of time travel stories now that the story itself has has said that. Um, and with with this with this narrative, you know that it's kind of a dying Earth story, kind of it's you know a far future ruins of our era story but it's it's never quite made explicit like like there hasn't been a moment where somebody is is like what we need to do is to find to to find the MacGuffin before the sun goes out so that we can reignite the sun right like like <laughs> so it's it's clearly speculative 
But the speculation <laughs> continues instead of being like, okay, we've established that it's speculative. Here's how to think of this story. So it's, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's very fantastical and you're not quite sure where it's going to go, right? Like anything, anything could happen from my point of view in the next five chapters. It could be, it could be about him finding a gun and being like, <laughs> I've got a gun now. <laughs> what are you going to uh, do about that? Or Kurt, it could be Kurt, you 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 just when you mentioned that I just my my brain flashed to the first the 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 Star Trek the motion picture, V'ger. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> where where it's obvious like it's obvious that it's supposed to mean something, and when you finally find out, it's like oh okay okay yeah. I, I I understand what that is, uh, and it's it, it was a cool trick, but but I think that there's a lot of stories that that depend on you drawing a very concrete and direct link between our present and that future time. And this is not necessarily interested in like doing like the ending of like the planet of the apes movie, right? Where, Oh, it's the, it's the, the statue of Liberty. Exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. That's the big revelatory moment in, in that is like, Oh my gosh, this is Earth in the future. That changes everything. We already know that this is Earth in the future, and it changes nothing because mm-hmm. it has no particular right, right. Like it's it, it's not like they're, they're saying we we need to find this lost device made by uh, you know Emperor Raygon, <laughs> right? <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's powered this- by the 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 secret formula for Coca Cola. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's it's not it's not doing like a thing where the trick is the story or where the story is the trick. It's it's kind of there, there's such a gulf of time in this story that it's the particulars are lost to the characters, and so they are lost to us as well for most for, for the most part. Tides of Numenera. Have you guys played, or are you familiar? I, 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 I've heard the, uh, I've heard the um, name. I know of it. Uh, I, I've never played it. I have. It's, uh, it's a very similar world. It's definitely a a far future world, but there's been so many different civilizations, and even in some cases races that have been layered on top of each other. That it's, it's, it's it's meaningless to call it earth. Like there's no useful information for you from that fact. Oh, so, so if, if I can, uh, speaking of races and whatnot, um, I did want to mention yeah. that there is something that nags at me about Dr. Talos. Right. And it's that description where he's talking about like, Oh, he, he doesn't look so much like a Fox as like a stuffed Fox. And then you 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 balance that against like the the weird uh, his his name which is uh, basically it was the 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 bronze giant that that uh, was set to protect uh, i believe is crete so like i'm um it just sets me thinking along lines it it's not something like like kurt said i don't feel like it's a puzzle that i need to solve to make the to to unravel something in the plot it just is something that's there that that gene wolf <laughs> leaves for us to find yeah. and is is really he could you know he he could take it or leave it if you figure it out uh it's not a revelation it's not like a plot reveal it's it has nothing to do with the story but but 
you know, if, if I think about it and I go, well, shit, is Dr. Talos like a robot? What the fuck? <laughs> what is going on here? You, you know what? You, you know who those two characters remind me of? Um, Baldander and Dr. Talos. Uh, they remind me of, um, uh, I think it's the, the king and the duke in uh, Huck Finn. The, oh, yes. The traveling yes, yes. charlatans who are traveling around, like putting on a show where the king like paints himself in, in, in like blue paint and runs around the theater naked. And then they like take off the money and like disappear at the end of the show. <laughs> it very much reminds me of that. and makes me think of like Severian as, as like a Huck Finn character, except he's trick, you know, in, in, instead of Tom Sawyer tricking everyone into helping him paint the fence they're he's, you know, they're tricking everyone into helping him decapitate a bunch of, a bunch of uh, clients, I guess, or something. I don't know. Um, so he, he tricks, I, he, tricks uh, he tricks his own clients into decapitating themselves. <laughs> Basically. I'm going to shame myself because I came to a very similar conclusion in a different way, which was, I thought of him as the, the King of Ooh and the squirrel. Is that from uh, adventure time? Yes. Oh. Yes, which is which I mean, basically the same two characters, except I'm 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 leaning deep into a program targeting 10 year olds. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 fine. It's fine. I, I'm sure that I they- would push back on the targeting 10 year olds point after a certain point. But but I get I get your meaning. I get your meaning. Although although that also, to be fair is a uh, is such a narrative as is so far in the future as for the fact that it is in our future to be meaningless. So you mm-hmm. may be onto something there. Algebraic. Uh, yeah. All right. So uh, and then we we move ahead to uh, it's a very finally uh, parts ways with um, Baldanders and Dr. Talos, uh, who managed to recruit Dorcas, the the waitress uh, into their uh, merry band of thespians i i believe he uses another term here i forget um but but uh they're like oh yeah we'll we'll be performing at uh, such and such a place he's like oh yeah i'll meet you there and then walks five steps and says i'm not going to meet them there Uh, (laughs) and and goes off to buy finally the 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 covering so that he can cover up his cloak so that people won't be weirded out by his weird fuelage and cloak um and uh reaches the rag shop where um, behind the counter, he meets Agia who uh, immediately, of course, as, as a Severians want, he's down bad. Im- yeah. Down bad. He, he's, he, he's, yeah. He's down, he's down, he's down horrible. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> immediately falls in love with her. Uh, uh, once again, uh, he falls in love with her at, at first sight. Um, she, she tells him to go inside uh, that, that uh, he can buy his cloak inside and whatnot. And is, Faced with dun dun dun, a someone with a skull's head that speaks to him. Bum bum bum. It's it's one of the few chapters that I've found that actually hangs like on this yes, weird little I noticed yeah. mini cliffhanger. Yes, yes, yep. I noticed that too. That was a very Hardy Boys ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so it, it it obviously is somebody wearing a mask. It's uh, turns out that it's. Uh, Agia's brother, uh, I believe his name is Agilus. Um, yeah, something like and, that. And uh, I, I, I love that immediately. Agilus, as a as a shopkeeper, is like, "Can I see your sword? It looks <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. very fine. <laughs> uh, I could, 
I'll give you, he immediately starts making uh, offers to buy the sword off of him. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to point out that this is uh, weirdly, um, he offers him, you know, four Chrysos, five, uh, five, I, I need, you know, five, but I need a, a day to, to gather the funds uh, and then offers six, uh, six reaching across the counter. He took me by the arm. That's more than it's worth. Listen. <laughs> It's your last chance. <laughs> I mean it. Six. <laughs> and it's like, okay, weird <laughs> last chance, you say. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it, 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 then it becomes clear that as he's, you know, still sort of purchasing the cloak, uh, you know, haggling done, he, he demurs from selling Terminus Est um, and uh, finally buys the, the brown cloak thingy to sort of hang over essentially uh, the way it's described it just sounds like a poncho <laughs> like a brown yes. poncho or, uh, uh yeah I, I was imagining like um like uh clint eastwood with the net man with no name like that kind of like big big poncho just like uh, over everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly or but like I, you know like something you'd see in south america yeah I, yeah, where, I, I love how this he, is set. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the description of it being the color of dead leaves. Mm, yes, I love that uh, because obviously you can you can then interpret interpret whatever dead leaves you want, right? Right, exactly. But in in general, it should be brown ish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, while he's there, suddenly uh, as is it a septeptron? Uh, basically a soldier uh, uh, garbed in a, in the manner of like one of the house absolutes house guard uh, shows up with this, you know, elaborate uh, visor and, you know, offers Severian something with his hand, you know, and um, Agilus says, Oh, you, you should take it. Uh, he is acting all frightened and whatnot. And he's like, uh, he, he extends his hand, Severian, the fool he is, extends his hand and takes what seems to be a, a blackish, a black stone. And he's like, he shows it to Agilus. He's like, don't give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I, I love this, uh, the sequence, right? Because it's like, it, it, you know, like they're obviously uh, very frightened or acting uh, as such. Um, it, it reminded and, me of uh, the black spot from uh, Treasure Island. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So yeah, uh, and it turns out that it's um, the seed of, the, of, of an Avern, um, which um, uh, what? <laughs> Apparently, it's a flower. Uh, we find out later, but uh, also it's um, it, it shares a root with. I think it's uh, is it Avernus, uh, one of the uh, one of the places in the underworld i know that in D, D, it's like one of the hells or something like that mm. there's my D D nerd cred showing up uh, <laughs> um but but apparently he's uh upon accepting this he has uh now uh agreed to a duel uh out at the sanguinary field at twilight sanguinary field is such an amazing name <laughs> uh, i love it but i mean it would make sense like if if this is a dueling culture they'd have like an entire place just set aside oh you you guys want to duke it out and figure out who you know who who's who pisses longer than the other okay over there <laughs> go to the sanguinary field that's where you need to be 
<laughs> Anywhere else, it's illegal. Uh, but yeah, um, it just it's such a such a great setup here. Um, and uh, so it it then uh, what was it? There is yeah, you you can't engage with swords. In fact, it would be best if you left that with me. <laughs> Agilus tells him he's like. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice try. Yeah. Uh, but so then uh, Agia uh, agrees to take him to uh, find his Avern. Um, and there's this amazing, like almost like a parable or like a weird koan or something yeah. that he goes into. And it's so great. You were going to say, Chris, I'm sorry. No, I was just, just yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a kind of a weird version. Um, uh, but like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a fast, like all, all these kind of like weird, like, you know, the stories from this like future time are just very intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and then, so I think that, uh, we've had Imar, uh, the autark Imar, uh, appear previously, like mentioned previously, I should say. Uh, I believe it's, he was in the brown book that, uh, Severian, Severian, uh, uh, got for Thecla and then takes with him, uh, on his journey when he's exiled. Mm. Um, and so, uh, if I may, I, I just want to read this out because this is great. Uh, so Iwar, uh, basically disguising himself, he ventured into the countryside where he spied a Muni meditating between a plane tree. The Autark joined him and sat with his back to the trunk until earth had begun to spurn the sun. Love that phrase. Mm. Um, troopers bearing an oriflamme galloped past. A merchant drove a mule staggering under gold. A beautiful woman rode the shoulders of eunuchs, and at last a dog trotted through the dust. Imar rose and following the dog la and followed the dog laughing. So then um, he goes on to say, supposing this anecdote, anecdote to be true, how easy it is to explain. The autarch had demonstrated that he chose his active life by an act of will and not because of the seductions of the world. But Thecla had had many teachers, each of whom would explain the same fact in a different way. Here, then, a second teacher might say that the autarch was proof of, against those things that attract common men, but powerless to control his love of the hunt. And a third, that the autarch wished to show his contempt for the Muni, who had remained silent when he might have poured forth enlightenment and received more, uh, that he could not do by leaving that he could not do by leaving when there was none to be to share the road, since solitude has great attractions for the wise. Nor could he when the soldiers passed, nor the merchant with his wealth, nor the woman. For the un unenlightened men desire all those things, and the Muni would have thought him one more such man. And a fourth, that the autarch accompanied the dog because it went forth alone, the soldiers having other soldiers, the merchant his mule, and the mule his merchant, and the woman her slaves, while the muni did not go forth. And so on and so forth. I mean, it, it, it's fa fascinating because here we, we actually get uh, a taste of, it's almost like a, a, a model for how to, if you so desired, dissect <laughs> this very yeah. same story. 
while simultaneously setting itself apart from the story that we're reading by at least claiming that it's it's being approached in a very different way i also kind of like the sense that um it's okay this is a really stupid comparison but it reminds me of the parts in rocky horror picture show where it cuts back to the professor who is who is like narrating (laughs) the story um and like this is this is really the first glimpse that we get of the the subjective present of when you know now severian is writing um and he talks about kind of what he's doing and he's like you know it's been a long time since i wrote those words you're talking about let me take a step back and and do some textual analysis of how my story is different from stories you may previously have encountered about you know previous autarchs um it's it's just, it's it's an interesting conceit and this is this is what i was talking about when i said that it's it, it's like framing stories within framing stories because right now right it is it is taking a step back to be a framing story of Severian writing his memoirs, uh, talking about a time in which he is telling a story to somebody else. And that story itself is happening kind of as a framing story within the story itself. So mm-hmm. he's telling us that he's telling a story about a time that he told a story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, and it goes even further because even as he's doing that, um, there's a little bit further down where he he's talking about like you know um you know what were the what were the motivations of Emar in that you know sort of parable you know, slash koan or whatever right and um he he says something that that just really you know it really rings like a bell to me um where it says the difficulty lies in learning that we ourselves encompass forces equally great we say i will and i will not and imagine ourselves, though we obey orders of some prosaic person every day, our own masters, when the truth is that our masters are sleeping. One wakes within us, and we are ridden like beasts, though the rider is but some hitherto unguessed part of ourselves. And, I mean, that, that also made me think of uh, of that line from, um, from Dune, right? The sleeper wakens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he he finally uh, goes back to the present where he's wearing the the brown uh, covering, and he he mentions that so I became, in appearance at least, a pilgrim bound for some vague northern shrine. Have I said that time turns our lies into truths? And the next chapter, <laughs> he ends up in the Pellerine Chapel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Again, uh, it's a funny, a funny thing, right? Because he's like, ah, it, isn't it funny how our tr- our lies turn to truths and blow up? It's like <laughs> that. So I have to admit that th- that that whole sequence that we're coming up on with the uh, I forget the name of the like chariot things or the the kind of like the uh, fiacres fiacres. Thank you. Yeah, um, I found it very confusing to read. Like, like I understood what was happening, but. I think I understood it because it was a relatively straightforward thing to understand. Um, like it didn't really ma- the the descriptions of what was happening moment to moment didn't really matter, right? Like mm-hmm. like you didn't actually have to envision the layout of the city or understand like oh we were turning down this street and do it like like it wasn't exactly describing anything that was especially important to comprehending what was going on. But if it had been, I think I would I would have had a hard time following it. But you know that that honestly that, that that that's a fair way to approach something if if it doesn't really matter to 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 comprehending it. You need to know that there, there's a chase going on and doing all sorts of wacky crap along the way, and then all of a yeah, sudden it, like they have a crash. But it's it's it, kind of it, hard yeah, to follow. It, it, 
it it actually reads like um like <laughs> it, it vis- like when you're visually watching something and everything blurs and then you get to the next scene <laughs> the important part <laughs> yeah and it feels very much like a textual version of that uh to, to i think to your point kurt uh because the the important thing is that he got like they crashed in that pelerine chapel and what happens after which is basically the the pelerines uh immediately uh wonder if um severian is is uh you know has taken something from them and then they basically they it's weird because um uh, the 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 priestess of the pelerines basically just grabs him by his wrists i guess casts um detect lies <laughs> and, and so, oh, I, no lies detected uh then grabs uh, uh agia and uh she's like ah, take her dress off and they do <laughs> it's like okay that that's weird um well, which I- I, I don't want to gloss over that um, they get to this uh, chapel by way of uh, drag racing through the streets in these <laughs> right, like, right. Uh, some uh, dr- carriages drawn by some sort of animal that I didn't I, di- I didn't look it up. But it, is it I, the I onagers? Uh, something like that. Yeah, they're donkeys. Donkeys. There we go. Uh, or at least that's what an onager is called. Uh, like in the ancient world, an onager was a donkey. Okay. But yeah, so like them drag racing in like donkey drawn carriages was just, uh, was very fun. Very funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's basically a, a race, uh, and they crash and, uh, you know, like basically the, <laughs> also, uh, let's not forget donkeys, the donkeys probably all died, <laughs> like well, their yeah. donkeys died and probably their, uh, their driver, uh, probably suffered severe injuries, but <laughs> do we don't need to worry about that guy. It's like moving on, <laughs> moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the, the Pelerines then just strip, uh, Agia naked, um, uh, you know, like Severian basically gets an eyeful and um, they, they find that Agia is not hiding something of value on her person either. Um, and then they go, well, uh, it's been, it, it hasn't happened in, in known in our known history, but uh, the, the claw has been known to disappear uh, of its own will and, and reappear somewhere else, you know? So onward we go. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and they send they send Agia and Severian on their way to the uh, botanical gardens, right? Um, and apparently, ahead. yeah, I, I I like the image of like they have to go down this like long winding ro- road um, towards um, the botanical gardens, which are on an island in the river. Uh, and like it, it's this like apparently it sounds like it's almost like one of those like um, you know like a the like an almost like an arcade that like you know, that the moneyed would like stroll around in and mm-hmm. their finest and things like that. Yeah. Like a palisade or some shit like that. Yeah. Like yep. overlooking the river. Um, so it's also where we find as, as they're going down the, uh, I believe it's the Adamian steps. Um, uh, it's where Agia mentions to Severian that, uh, the, the powers that the claw, which is a gem, uh, have, right. So mm-hmm. again, um, Severian seems to be uh, attracting relics to his person left <laughs> and right. Uh, uh, on occasion, so they claim, it also forgives injuries, raises the dead, draws new races of beings from the soil, purifies lust, and so on. 
all these things he is supposed to have done himself, the conciliator. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're laughing at me now. No, only laughing at the sunshine. You know what it's supposed to do to women's faces. <laughs> Make them brown. Make them ugly. <laughs> it's such a great line too, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's really great. Um, the uh, it, oh, and before that, uh, Adya uh, mentions uh, is talking about the conciliator and says that she rubbed her hands, uh, seeming to warm them in the sunlight. Supposing him, we turn at this corner, Severian. You may see the head of the stair if you look there, where the statue of the eponym is stand. Supposing him to have lived, he was by definition the master of power, which means the transcendence of reality and includes the negation of time. Isn't that correct? Which is like, okay, oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, (laughs) your alien Jesus uh, is also a time traveler? What? (laughs) It was interesting. She said 30,000 years. So um, in in the past, do you think that like is like, I don't know. I, I was kind of like, like assuming he was some sort of Jesus, <laughs> like, like you were saying, like alien Jesus, but like, so would that, is that an indication of exactly how far in the future this is? Do you think? I mean, it could just simply be, it's a, it, I mean, it's, it's 3000 years plus a, an extra zero, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. That's true. Uh, so it might simply be like a, a, a number that people like to toss out. Um, or, or is a, like received wisdom or, you know, that's the legend or what have you. But, but as I understand it, like s- supposedly like Nessus exists like several million years in the future. Oh, okay. All right. Well then, yeah. I mean, okay. I, I might be, I might be off base, but no, I'm sure I, that's, I got the impression that it's like very ancient. Mm. <laughs> if only Gene Wolfe had uh, known about climate change. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I- <laughs> <laughs> I, Chris, I'm with you in that I took it to be kind of like a Jesus thing. I, I, I was, I was trying out the notion of it being literal Jesus and like, well, maybe they don't, maybe they're confused about, you know, some of the specifics because most of the things to your point are in the list, uh, uh, you know, do occur in the new Testament. And then you get to like raising new races from out of the ground. I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe there's some, Maybe there's some books that I missed, um, but uh, Gene Wolf. Gene Wolf saw Prometheus. That's yeah, that's yeah. But is. but I mean, certainly, certainly, the idea of like you know the fingernail of Jesus being this like holy relic is is very very in line with you know medieval, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, religion and and structure of uh, of of belief. And and there's there's a there's a heavy degree of medievalism already going on in this text. So it it definitely fits from that from that angle. But but again, to the point of you know. A, a mystery that you don't need to solve. I, I, I think, I, I think I was like, well, that's interesting. I suppose I'll find out later, or I won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they go into the botanical, uh, the botanic gardens. I, I said the botanical gardens, and it's not that. It's the botanic gardens, um, which is basically uh, a, a building that they can see in the distance, um, uh, somewhat, because it's all glass and it's reflecting light and blah blah. blah. They 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 sort of see where it is, but they they can't really tell how big the building is from even from the outside. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they they uh they go inside and immediately like they Severian is taken uh by wanting to go into the first room that he is made aware of, which is the sand garden. Um. And basically, it's just you know full of cactuses and yucca, uh, <laughs> that kind of thing, 
you know, he meets uh, a a much uh, a much older or or lesser um uh perhaps uh lesser garbed uh member of the curators guild there. Yep. And uh apparently he spends a good amount of time just standing in the sand garden until they leave uh and then um uh what is it he basically tells him uh you know like when he says well shit it's it's past noon what the what the hell how long was i in there is Adja tells him severian you argued and argued and in the end i had to drag you away the gardens affect people like that certain suggestible people they say the autark wants some people to remain in each to accent the reality of the scene and so his archmage, Father Inir, has invested them with a conjuration. But since you were so drawn to that one, it's not likely any of the others will affect you so much. And he, <laughs> he just responds saying, I felt I belonged there, I said, that I was to meet someone, and that a certain woman was there nearby, but concealed from sight. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's such it's, a weird conceit. Anyway, go ahead. It's spooky. It's it's like um it, it's a very spooky passage I thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, and then we go into the 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 last of our chapters here, which is basically uh Father Inira's mirrors. Uh, <laughs> this was a great. This is great. <laughs> I lo- oh god, I love this. I I've I've uh, honestly I've read the 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 story that again, I, I think that uh, once we get to the the last few, you know, pages, uh again we we get that um story within a story within a story. Mm-hmm. And this one is done in a very funny way. But before that, um, they go into the jungle garden or the jungle room. Is it the jungle room? The jungle garden. Yes. Jungle garden. Yeah. And um, so basically it's, you know, it's a jungle in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then um, he says that uh, basically he, he, Severian says uh, the glass made it difficult to tell where the edges of the building were. And then uh, Adji tells him, then how can you ask que- the questions you do? Or if you have to ask them, can't you understand that I don't necessarily have the answers? From the sound of Smilodon's roar, I knew he was far off. Perhaps he is not here at all. Or perhaps the distance is of time. So what a weird, (laughs) like, is this like a a botanic garden that's a time tunnel? What the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yeah. Well, do you know what a Smilodon is? Yes, it's the cat with the saber tooth. Uh, this is a saber tooth tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I mean, obviously, like these words pop up, and like I, I only look up like you know one out of every five because I'm like the rest of the time I'm just like okay, it's something old. And uh, but <laughs> so, like that one in particular, I was like, I need to know what that is. And um, yeah, it's, so he hears a saber tooth tiger, which is amazing. <laughs> well, he also he also sees a uh, dimetrodon or, or something similar to it. Uh, which is basically he's they're 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 uh, walking along and they he sees like a, uh, a basically like a some sort of reptile with a sail back mm. and you're like wait what <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry I, I'm cutting someone off here I I, I it was it you Pete oh no I was it I, was not I was I, I was awkwardly jumping in but I, I was trying to uh, I was incorrectly gauging where a break of the conversation was but but I was going to say <laughs> inexpertly and and rudely was um. This is this was a perfect example of a moment where I was like, um, 
I heard that. This is a perfect example of a moment where I was, I was of two minds. On the one hand, I I was thinking like, well, clearly it's this advanced thing of technology that's like bamboozling their mind, and they don't, you know, it's 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 ensorcelling them in some way, or it's some kind of piece of advanced technology that's that's you know. Be befuddling them, and on the other hand, I was like, "Oh, they're just walking around a natural history museum, and they they don't know what that is anymore." <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, they walked into the exhibit and closed the door behind him, and Zarian goes, "What? It disappeared like magic." <laughs> <laughs> they they took a couple edibles and were just yeah. like wandering. <laughs> oh my god! Well, <laughs> you're, I, you're, I did wonder you're, about that actually because, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, again, there's there is this whole I, I'm sure apocryphal. Uh, story uh, about the uh, hashishim where mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, allegedly to to convince you know new initiates of the uh the you know mystical abilities of the leader of the order they would be led into you know like a garden and basically dosed with like marijuana fumes now this is this is this is bullshit this mm. comes from like weird you know 1960s hippie literature uh, but it does. It, it, my my brain was sorting through this cultural, you know, detritus, and was like, "Oh, this could be like, you know, they went into somewhere that's like f- filled with drugs, and they're all fucked up now and wandering around, you know, like having a trip." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would I would argue that yes, that that could be a um, that could be definitely something that's happening as well. And that that is a very funny uh, thing. Is like, oh, we we don't know what a natural museum is. So, <laughs> oh my god, watch out! <laughs> um, it's just like some 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 Neanderthals in a diorama, you know, just stock still, you know. Uh, but but because we have that sequence where basically. Uh, Ajia is telling him like, no, no, you, you, we were in there a while. Um, you, you kept on arguing that you needed to, you needed to stay here. Um, and, Another and example have, of his sterling memory. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, he, he was convinced that, um, yeah, he, he was there for just a bit. Uh, I mean, it, it's also like, uh, I, I have to wonder if he is under the influence of something, uh, would he remember it? perfectly or would he have that same sort of brain fog just cover or obscure those memories um i don't know uh, he could be lying too so to your point to your point pete <laughs> i do i i did want to point out that the um the story that he tells himself that thecla told him about the girl that goes to visit father Inir and his mirrors is it's honestly it's so funny because it, like honestly the the story itself is creepy. Uh, I think you're you're absolutely correct, Chris. It's like it's like a horror story, right? Because yeah. you know that this is like oh no, she's she's been called by the the oldest man in the world who looks like a monkey uh, to come visit him in his private quarters where he has his mirrors. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, uh, we, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, there there is that. But but uh, the 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 other eh, is there's a bunch of references to to like you know she looked quite a bit younger than than her actual age which perhaps what would interested uh, yeah uh, that would oh, God. and I was like eh, I don't know. the the big eye emoji was just like flashing in my head you're in danger <laughs> yeah yes yeah the, yeah the eye emoji yeah yeah uh, but then he he like it, it's it's even 
I don't know, man. This is just like weird and creepy and fucked up where he like, oh yeah, just stand in the middle of the mirrors. And then she like sees like so many versions of her reflected back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And she comes back and she's like, just like fucked up. <laughs> um, I did, I did find it uh, very funny because there is a moment where this, the story is interrupted. <laughs> this is, at this point I was for, forced to interrupt my tale to help Agia through a section of the path, almost completely overgrown. You're talking to yourself. She said, I can hear you <laughs> muttering behind me. I'm telling myself the story I mentioned to you. You seem to have no wish to hear it. And I wanted to listen to it again. Besides, it concerns the speculative father, father Anira, and it may contain hints useful to us, which is so funny to me. <laughs> I'm telling myself the story that you weren't interested in talking about. Okay, yeah. don't don't call me out on it. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, and, <laughs> what a and, weird thing. And it's also funny that he's reciting he's reciting it aloud rather than just like you remembering know, like, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like. <laughs> or like, um, you know, like as the narrator or, you you know, writing it years later, just like it reminded me of this. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Like, yeah, that was- he's a podcaster. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a born he's got the podcast. podcaster's blood in him. Yeah. <laughs> the, the guild of the podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. What like- what color robes do they wear, Chris? <laughs> Prove you're a podcaster. Make this guy I fall asleep with just a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> what is the most boring anecdote you could try? What is the most boring <laughs> riff you can try? <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, so then we get the 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 idea of uh, Father Rainier talking about how he uses mirrors to just basically concentrate. Uh, light and how he needs to make sure that since nothing can travel beyond the speed of light in this universe, uh, he has to make sure that every time light is reflected back and forth, that it reflects not directly in the path of the oncoming reflection of that light. It needs to be off by you know a degree or so, right? And it just sort of like, it's fascinating to me. I, I don't know what it means exactly, but it sounds <laughs> like it's, it's a way for him. It's, it's a, it's a way to explain how a certain like far future technology or like, you know, like star travel works, right. but with language that is not technological. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, it, cause instead of like the Star Trek um babble about like um you know uh dilithium crystals and stuff like that the positrons Uh, are not aligned in the yeah yeah yeah. reverse the polarity um but like this is very much like a you know like it's um the mystification of science that like we were talking about uh i guess two episodes ago because i had to miss last Mm -hmm. episode but like um where it's like this you know this future technology that is way well beyond our means um but it's like you know that they're so far past it that there's they're just seeing it you know through through a glass darkly maybe oh. mm. <laughs> so so i was also wondering if there's an extent to this that is that is misunderstanding right or it could just be a you know like a comforting lie because mm. i was my brain was like desperately trying to figure out what's going on and it sounded like a hologram but a hologram that had to become real and i was like this seems this kind of seems like bullshit, but it also seems like maybe it's a version of the truth. So I, 
I, I don't know. It kind of seemed like I was getting a version of, of, of a version of the truth, you know, half explained and poorly remembered. Mm. Well, I mean, it, it, there is mention of the Kakujins, right? And and when the, the girl asks uh, Father Anir, um she said, um, is this how the Kakujins come? When he's talking to her about like you know how this is this is how you uh, move to the stars you know and so the you know in my understanding then <laughs> the Kakajins are aliens uh, and Father Anir is a Kakajin uh, at least I think he's been mentioned as a Kakajin before so uh, man I just missed that entirely oh yeah yeah <laughs> I, I did too yeah. Yeah, I I also think that it's really funny because it's uh he he then explains to to her in sort of language that a thirteen year old person from this benighted corner of the galaxy would know, right? Uh, and you have seen the toy flyers older children make on the on the pleasants at night with paper hulls and parchment lanterns. What you see here is to the means used to travel between suns, as those toy flyers are to real ones. Yet we can call up the fish with these, the fish being the little um, light thing that she keeps on, the shimmer that she keeps on seeing with these, and perhaps other things too. And just as the boys' flyers sometimes set the roof of a pavilion ablaze, so our mirrors, though their concentration is not powerful, are not without danger. So, yeah, uh, I mean, this is him trying to explain to a 13-year-old from Nessus who, you know, I guess has many of these people have lost uh, sort of the technology or, or, or at least, you know, not not super well-versed in all that, um, you know, how to travel beyond the stars. Yeah, and, and I like that she was like, describing whatever he, whatever he conjured up as like a fish because like mm -hmm. she was just like grasping for anything to be like you know explainable or uh you know within her own within her um you know experience realm of experience hmm. well there's also the 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 thing that he tells her initially when they he finds them uh sort of posing in front of those two mirrors that are set up in in one of the hallways uh that sets this entire thing in motion uh he he warns her that oh you should watch out there's an imp that lives in mirrors and that can you know sort of go in through your eyes and live within you and you're like what yeah, <laughs> that yeah. sounds awful <laughs> what yeah, ex exactly. is this real <laughs> <laughs> and and i think to 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 you know to the point that kurt's uh, made on several occasions because we don't fully know the entire rules, right? Of this world. Uh, we don't necessarily know if it's real, if it's just a story, like we're left to interpret it, you know, as we wish to a certain extent. Right. R right. Mm -hmm. And, and the other thing is, uh, and if you thought that I wasn't going to mention Warhammer 40 K, <laughs> um, there is a concept that comes up in that game quite frequently, which is that if it works, it doesn't matter whether mm -hmm. it's real or not. So, so like there are, there are entire races in, in that game, uh, orcs in particular who have technology that by all rights shouldn't work, but it does because they all think that it should work. And so hmm. I, 
at a certain point, it 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 doesn't matter if it works, it works. Oh, and so, oh, so the so, so the orcs are, are are very powerful men who uh, <laughs> deny reality. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's sort of how I keep my job. I mean. It's it's <laughs> not that I'm actually doing any work. It's the it's the mass belief that I am doing work. And there you go. There you there go. You go. A nice, conquered reality. A, a nice uh, gig Pete. if you can get it. Oh, <laughs> yes. <yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and so and, and so like if if the technology works, then does it really matter whether it's you know well explained or incorrectly explained or whether you know he's he's just engaging in complete like like sophistry like it 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 you know it, it if it works it works and if it doesn't mm-hmm. then it doesn't so yeah i mean i i think it 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 also just reflects back that same thing right the 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 anecdote that thecla told him uh that told uh severian right about like you know whether father anir or the autark actually you know are in control or you know do anything uh, and it doesn't really matter, really, because honestly, everyone believes that the Autark, you know, that, that the commands that come from the, the, the Autark Citadel are as they come from the Autark. So it doesn't matter whether Father Anir said it or the Autark himself, you know, so who cares? Um, so we end the, the chapter here in, in the Jungle Garden. Uh, coming up to a house set on stilts of yellow wood. Uh, and, uh, you know, at this point, Severian must be like just sweating, just rivulets of sweat coming off of him. Oh yeah. He's, <laughs> he's under, he's under like two heavy cloaks and like, yes. and I just like, yeah, you could take that off in here, you know? <laughs> so he does. And then the, the guy sees him again, like sees, like, I, I'm going to guess like a patch of darkness with a face floating in it and goes like, fuck that. And goes inside the hut and we leave it there. <laughs> turned with an expression of unmistakable terror and went into the hut. (laughs) Just great. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I, 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 so any last thoughts? I, I I think we should probably wind it down here. Uh, any last thoughts, anything else predictions for next chapters? Uh, I, I don't know that Kurt wants to make any more predictions here. Well, I'll say that of the ones we've gone through, I dragged in these chapters, and I think it was me, because I had a long weekend, mm-hmm. picked this up, read it a bunch of times, and I'm like, nope, didn't stick, nothing. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, yeah, I mean, it, that, that can happen, too. Look forward got, to catching you, up. Yeah, you got a lot going on anyway, so it's it's all good. We get it. Uh, Chris, any last thoughts? No, I, I'm. It's interesting to see where it goes next, and who who was that guy who was uh, beating feet to get out of there? And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm just like I I think uh, I, I go back to what Kurt said at the beginning, where it's like you you kind of got the last batch of chapters. You kind of got the sense that like oh this is it's, it's headed somewhere. Now we have some forward momentum, but now it's like nope, uh, some other sh- shit's gonna happen. <laughs> and like, uh, but it's like very um. I, it's very fun. Like, it's just like a, a very, uh, I, I think, uh, I don't, Carla, I don't know if it, if it was off air or not, but you said something about it's a built, it's kind of like a buildings, uh, Romong. And, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like that where it's like, a, or, or almost like a picaresque type type mm-hmm. novel. Um, it's just like, you know, goes around, meets people, has adventures. It's, 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 I am, it's just, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes next. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want Severian to do a bunch of sick combos and to like chop someone's head off in a really fun <laughs> way with, with a fly. I am down for that. I don't know. I, I I I am excited to find out how one <laughs> what how what an avern is, how one fights with it. Perhaps it's a sort of Sailor Moon. Uh, sort of uh, tuxedo mask, uh, jeweled rose sort of situation. Uh, uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps, ha- perhaps it's a back. giant flower that grows a sword out of it. <laughs> perhaps it's a regular flower, and and uh, I don't know. It, it it could be anything, and I'm excited at, at the fact that it could be anything. Half circle I... back, half circle back. A B A B start. <laughs> <laughs> my my prediction is as the result of the the fight, he will end up with a best friend, and it's going to turn into like a like a buddy comedy. It's a buddy cop. Yeah, oh, oh, no. exactly. It's like Chris Tucker and whoever, you know. <laughs> All Severians are bastards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> that would be funny, right? He ends up with a clone of himself. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, um, I think that's it for this, uh, this episode. Uh, we'll catch... Everyone up next time, uh, where we'll be talking about chapters 21 through 25, I believe, um, of The Shadow of the Torturer. Um, thanks, everyone, for, for, for joining me again uh, on this Year of the New Sun, reading up uh, all about the, this amazing, cool dude, the best guy in the universe, Severian the Torturer. <laughs> the all right the, well, the 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 s word with the s word uh, uh, sorry like severian with the oh. sword never mind sorry that was stupid <laughs> i was like what these are, these are one hour 16 minute and 44 second thoughts <laughs> <laughs> that happens that happens all right well we'll leave it there and uh we'll catch up next time thanks everyone for listening and reading along with us on this year of the new sun and we'll catch you next time here on Podside.